Hey Dev, how's it going? Hi Kobe, how are you? I'm very good, very good. How are you doing? I'm very good. And how are you, dear listeners? Don't, no, don't, don't respond. We are here for a, a special episode, a full-length interview that uh, Kobe was lucky enough to get with uh, Jennifer Wood, the editor of Mental Floss. Yes, um, Jennifer Wood talked to us more than just about the wire, but just to, about this golden age of television, which was kind of uh, catalyzed by the wire so she's a great interview and stay tuned guys because she gives you the opportunity to get um a very special edition of her book the curious viewer which we will be sharing with Cobby's holding it up now for everyone to see yeah guys you can see this work that's how podcasts work (laughs) it looks great (laughs) um which is a great little book and obviously there's a massive section about the wire in this but yeah Pay attention to our social media accounts because you will find out how you can win a fantastic copy of this book. So on with the interview. Hello, I am Jennifer Wood. Um, I'm managing editor of mentalfloss.com. Also a writer for a bunch of different uh, places. Wired, Vulture, kind of see me all over. Wherever I can talk about the wire, uh, <laughs> I, I'm there. Um, and also the editor of a new book that we just had come out called The Curious Viewer. It's part of Mental Floss. Um, so it's myself, our writers and editors, and really just sort of a compendium of um, the most bingeable shows that we, that's what we're calling them, of the last 20 years, um, yeah. of which I think in the intro, I, I sort of start out by admitting that um you know if it could be all about the wire and breaking bad that would be the full book um <laughs> so yeah i'm a i'm i'm a diehard um and someone that gets very angry when someone because the answer when you ask someone oh have you seen the wire there's always the like i started it you know or mm. no or like it's my favorite show ever there's kind of no yeah. in between and you know on the one hand i i would like to be that person that's like just watching it for the first time Mm. on the other hand i then you know really berate that person until they till they sit down and watch it because it's it needs to be seen is is my (laughs) it's my mantra in life basically that and and many people do um give it the accolade of being i guess the godfather forefather of modern television now yeah. and arguably you wouldn't have the, the bingeable shows you have on the streaming services without no without, um no way no and it's also um you know it's i think that it gets it gets lumped in a lot you know with with the sopranos understandably mm-hmm. so i mean they were on at the same it's time they were on yeah. after each you know um it's always amazing to me even to you know we talk about it being this critically acclaimed show and but as much as critics did talk about it it never received you know at least here it received like one emmy nomination ever like it just never received any actual award acclaim and to this day that still shocks me that you know i think it it was nominated for two emmys both for writing and just that that that's all we that's all we like ever gave it at the time. Like it needed that little push to get people really watching. And 
Um, well, that push was the the push was the pandemic, didn't it? Because it, I think it, was, yeah. it suddenly became the most watched uh, TV show. Yeah, that and the pandemic. And then The Sopranos. Like I'm, I'm always surprised when people tell me like they're just watching that for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I think with the movie coming out, people were like, "Yeah, I'll give that give that a try." Um, sure. You know, un- unfortunately, I think that Michael K. Williams' passing did prompt a lot of people to watch it because they knew him from other things and yeah. you know really loved him in other things. And so we're kind of like, if you if you like him in anything, like this is the greatest character. <laughs> ever created really for me it's just one of like the seminal television characters and that was all him you know it really it was you don't often have that kind of character be the sort of hero anti-hero like most feared man you know in Mm. in this show you have like the hulking you know you got idris elba like coming onto the scene but it's like everyone was afraid of omar and rightfully so. And and that was all Michael K. Williams. Like when you watch him in other things, there's just this, I don't know, there's something about him that, like you were saying, you know, we just, you can't take your eyes off of him. You believe, That's you know, awesome. and there's just this genuineness to him, if that's even a word, um, that he brings, he brings a soul to his characters that, that few actors can can really accomplish and you know he was he wasn't i mean he was complex but at the same time not really it was just sort of he was straightforward and that like here here's who i am you know here's the, the character i am and and it was it's hard to imagine the show without him um and you know sort of what it there's a hundred other characters on it but but to stand out so strongly and a cast made up of of that caliber, you know, actors and characters is is a pretty amazing thing. And I think no one would disagree that, you know, I it's sort of Omar. And uh, for me, then I'm going Bubbles. But, you know, uh, it's, uh, wow. you know, uh, Bubbles, Bunk, uh, they're kind of both there. But he just, he stood just so far above in... And everything, you know, you were excited when you heard like that Omar coming. You were like, yes, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Omar, Omar's character is probably one of the most important. We talked about the why being one of the most important TV shows, but Omar's one of the most important characters for a few reasons. And I think people forget the kind of current the state of how gay characters would be portrayed yeah. on TV. I mean, we were, um, they were caricatures at that point. So it was, yes. you know, it was like the will and grace or, you know, when you had a gay character, you, it was, it was, it was like, that was the character. It was mm-hmm. quote unquote, the gay character yeah. with Omar. And that was something with the wire really in general, because you look at. Well, her humor as well. Yeah. And then, but you all, and it just, so it wasn't, it wasn't part of the character. It was just, it was who the person was, you know, it was, it was nothing. Um, and then you have the, the infamous scene with Rawls where, you know, we just sort of cut to, uh, in a gay bar and there's Rawls sitting there, never mentioned again, which I always find to be one of like, just like a really, a really, I don't know, a a brilliant kind of thing to do to just place Rawls in that bar never yeah. bring it up again, never mention it yeah. again. 
And it's just sort of underlining the point that like we're making in these other TV shows, we're making this their whole character. It's, you know, like I said, quote unquote, like the token gay character that didn't, it was just another part, you know, it was another aspect of, of his life that you learned about. And there was, you know, he, he played it with just such that, that, that there was nothing to it. It was like, yeah. And like, as you said, because that's his, because that is life, isn't it? And it's, it's annoying when other characters, uh, straight characters ostensibly have the full have their full, right. Um, character build and, you know, they have a partner who's on, on the periphery. Uh, but like I say, previously it would have been this is a character who's gay who happens to be a police officer. Uh, rather yeah. than, oh, absolutely. Yeah, this, this is a police officer who happens to have, I mean, a, a, you know, in a LGBT relationship. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's still going on today. And even when you look at, um, you know, it goes beyond TV too. Like I'll sometimes see a headline and it'll, you know, it if, if it's not you know, a white dude, basically, it'll be like, a woman did this, you know what I mean? Like, yes. and we have to like, call it like, oh, wow, a woman, you know, did this on her own without the help of Was a man. To? Like, yeah, like, how did that happen? Or, you know, it'll be something about a person with like a disability. And we put that yeah. in like the headline, that it's just like, story. why the fuck does that matter? Like, it just doesn't, it's not, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Um, no, of course you can. This is a podcast about wire. It's one of the most true. famous scenes. The, you know, it's it's funny. Before um, the Jonathan Abrams, that his all the pieces matter, before that book had come out, I was actually working to do, to create like an oral history, to write an oral history of the fuck oh, no. scene. It was like, my just, dream okay. story, like just to write an oral history of that scene. Um, and they sort of told me like, without telling me at the time that that book was coming out, um, you know, and that there was, that they were essentially really digging in, doing the exact same thing that I was looking sure. to do. And I, I've never been so disappointed because it was like my dream story is just to kind of, you know, and also to be so bold to put that in, season one and early on in season one like mm. that's a bold move you know it just is. to 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 put enough trust in your audience that we already know these characters well enough to totally understand that you know that conversation to understand what happened like there's there's nothing that's unclear in what's going on in that scene and we're literally just for five minutes saying fuck with different intonations, um, you know, or making it a verb, making it a noun, making it an exclamation. So it's, I think that's part of what makes the show special too. And just so great is that that David Simon, um, you know, who nobody entertains me more on Twitter than David Simon taking Reckon someone it. down, like just, you know, pulling out, whatever insult and it's just like you know just hanged on quarter <laughs> like we need to bring back the thick of it and like have david simon in there like you know writing like insults like we need a new character for <laughs> david simon's just you know he needs that but but to put trust in the audience that like you know that the people who are into this and who are really like buying into the show and not buying into it but who are really you know loving the show and engrossed that they're smart enough to understand you know what's going on that it's not 
And as you said, I, I feel like the reason you have so many people who are like, oh, I started it. And this is like, put your devices away. If you're going to watch the show, Not second screen. yeah, do not have, do not be looking, you know, you're not texting. You're not on your laptop. You're not, you know, you're not doing any of that stuff. You are sitting down, <laughs> like grabbing a drink, whatever, getting comfortable. And you're going to sit there because I I would like to meet the person that at the end of episode one doesn't want to keep going. It's because it's dense. It's, it's. It's an interesting draw into this next episode because you think, okay, I don't know what's happening, Right. but I'm, let's, yeah, let's press play again. Yeah. Like you, if you didn't want to keep watching, like I don't, that I don't ever, like, I don't want to know who you are because that tells me, that tells me everything I need to know about you. Like if you're not like, if you're just like, yeah, it was okay. I'll just go flip, you know, let me watch another episode of Friends. Like, I, yeah, I just, <laughs> but, um, Well, friends, friends features in your book doesn't. Let's, it does. What's the title of your book again? It does. Uh, so we can make it clear, Yes. guys. If you, if you're at a computer or your phone, get ready to get the title now. Yes. So, So it's The Curious Viewer. Um, it does have a much longer title that <laughs> it's like a, a miscellaneous, uh, it, it, There's a much longer title, Mental Floss, The like Curious a, like a, Viewer. like a, like a Doctor Strange <laughs> thing, yeah, where it's, everyone calls it's, it Doctor Strange for the quick. yeah, it's, um, are you, are you equating me with Doctor Strangelove? Because it wouldn't be the first time, but, um, so, um, it's called The Curious Viewer. And so we cover, so we have like sort of big spreads where we cover certain, certain titles, um, like The Wire, um, Friends is one of them. And it's kind of like, again, what we call like the most bingeable shows. And so um, I happen to, my tastes run a little bit um, strange, I guess, dark, um, or a little bit, I, I'm a, I watch a lot of British television, basically. Um, and Nice. No need to be apologetic about that. yeah, obviously, this is, to, I mean, to you, I should just call it television. But like, you know, UK office versus US office, like, it's just for me, it's like, no, it's the office. And then it's the, the reboot of the office. Like, Okay. it's, you know, I, I have no problem with the US office. It's, it's funny. It's, you know, it's its own thing. It went its own way. And that was great. But the UK office is, you know, like, that's that cringe comedy. And, you know, you guys do it a lot better than we do. <laughs> like, I like the way because you, you mentioned the thick of it rather than beep, so I was quite interested. I do Oh, love, I took it. I do love Veep, but Yeah. the, I find the, uh, yeah, now I should say Veep is definitely one of my favorite shows over the last, you know, several years. Um, I think everything about it is brilliant. Uh, Richard Splett is another one of my It just, <laughs> favorite characters. I love, I love Sam. Yes. Sam Robinson, Sam Richardson, Uh, sorry, Richardson, yeah, uh, he's. is, um, every time I see him, it, it, I love it, but when, when he introduced himself as Splett, Richard Splett, and they're like, what, what Richard, is that name? yeah, well, well, my favorite line, and I just use it all the time, is he introduces Richard T. Splett, and then he's like, I don't know why I said that, my middle name is John, <laughs> or something, like, just anything that comes out of his mouth, like, makes me laugh, um, so when I see him, like, because there was that, again, it's like that, There's a pureness to this character that like he just, you know, he's sort of like so untainted and naive. But at the same time, there's this like diabolical or just like weird 
history that you never quite know. And I love mm-hmm. characters like that. I don't if you've watched Silicon Valley, like Jared on yeah, Silicon Valley yeah. is like the same thing where you just get these little bits and pieces where you're like, oh, this guy lived on the like, like, yeah. yeah, and it's just he and he kind of did the same character. Well, not the same character, but had a similar uh, in in the office. You know, he had that similar thing mm. um, also in Veep. Um, not as yeah. much, but yeah, I feel like um, but but the thick of it for me, I, maybe it's maybe it's Peter Capaldi. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's Malcolm Tucker. It's uh yeah like I just I I my my Malcolm Tucker quotes come out all the time and nobody ever gets them which makes them more fun because then I can just <laughs> take credit for like that yeah I, I made that lineup myself but um yeah <laughs> you take credit for the inventive I swearing. do I do <laughs> Is the the creative it's that's that's I really why I prefer it because it's incredibly uh the, the sweariness of it is is much more inventive and uh and 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 uh it i don't know it's it, it goes places that i was like i wish i had thought of that <laughs> from from scene one but um but i digress so uh, so we should so guys yeah the, uh, the curious viewer is the is the book from mental Foss. um get it anyway you get your books yes um uh, Amazon uh, bookstores anywhere. Um, yeah. It will be, I believe, this later this month. It'll be released as an ebook. Right now, it's just kind of a it's a hard copy. It's it's like a coffee table book, which is what oh, I okay. love about it because, yeah, yeah. and it's also there are just original illustrations inside it. So we worked with uh, a wonderful art director who created like it's it's kind of you know it's like a it's a piece of art you know it's it's the book you want to put on your coffee table and be like yeah i'm i'm into i've got this i'm I'm, into tv like i know my tv stuff (laughs) but it's also just full of really like fun facts and i shouldn't say fun because some of them are might be dark or or weird like with the wire for example um one thing i always love to like throw out at people because there are people that is that john c riley was you know the original that's who david simon wanted for mcnulty and there's this story where i forget which one of them i guess it was kind of like they were sort of circling one another a little bit it was kind of like all right let's you know let's chat and I can't remember if it was David Simon or John C. Riley. One of them was at a, a pumpkin patch with his kid when they got like finally got on the phone and they talked for like a few minutes apparently. And it was just like, yeah, listen, I'm I'm at a pumpkin patch, which I, I don't know why that part of the story just is so bizarre to me and fun. Um, and it was sort of let's talk again. And I think uh, that they talked again at some point and then just sort of, you know, just it didn't happen um obviously and when dominic west and john c riley worked on chicago together a few years later they were saying that they were sort of like sizing each other up like how like me him like they were were not getting sort of what david simon was going for um when they were just like looking at each other's like acting everything about themselves but i guess um david simon just thought he could really pull off kind of like the humanity with like the dedication and when you look at a movie like magnolia you actually 
see like all right yeah john c like i love john c Riley. um yeah. it's just funny to picture him i can't picture him like the womanizing you know <laughs> drunk necessarily but um but yeah it's so there's just little things like that you know and when we're when we're looking at stories for just mental floss in general we're always like digging into the things that nobody even looks at anymore. Like the DVD extras that like people forget DVDs exist, you know? So we will like listen to to the features and we'll, you know, kind of take stuff from there. Um, we kind of go to interviews if in cases where we can actually speak to people involved with the show, like when we're putting together a list of facts about something, that's what we do. So we try to get, you know, rather than just like, here's your IMDb trivia, um, you know, we look to people who are working on the show to see stories that they've told or, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's what the book is really full of. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so it's, I recommend it, even as its editor. If I were not, I would still <laughs> recommend it. Awesome. <laughs> um, and you did a rundown of the best um, episodes of The Wire, which is a tall order. Um, yes considering it's hard to pick it was specific episodes out it was it was painful it was it was I had like I had like an abacus I had like sundials going I had like my like a Rube, a my, Goldberg yeah I yes like tarot cards I mean I <laughs> I I should find if I still have it I literally hand wrote like because as we were saying each episode is so it's so dense. There's so much going on. And let's say there are 20 storylines, you know, or 20 like major incidents that go on in an episode, which probably isn't an exaggeration. There's probably good mm-hmm. 10, 10 to 20 things that happen. Um, I was trying to like, I literally went through each episode, wrote down like each major incident and like literally put numbers to them, like as far as importance um, you know, I had all this criteria. I mean, I, I went total data scientist um, on this and it was hard. It was very, very hard. And I was waiting for the backlash and I was pleasantly surprised by, um, you know, people sort of agreeing. I mean, they obviously would be like, well, I'd put this here and, you know, you never would never not get some some complaints about why this wasn't better or you know this wasn't ranked higher but um the the one thing i noticed and people came away from that list uh basically accusing me of hating season two which which kind of killed me because i because i don't and you know and it took me (laughs) when i first watched the show i feel like i was in that same space um you know where it's like oh wait where are all my where are all my people, Whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I wanted to revisit those people. It's kind of kind of like Halloween three season of the witch, you know, <laughs> which I love personally. But, you know, yet people are looking for like that familiar. They're looking for the continued storyline. So I would say that the first time I watched it, um, I was taken, you know, when you were taken out of that world and also <laughs> Ziggy drove me crazy. Mm. Um, and I, and Nick, I, you know, they both kind of drove me crazy and their storyline kind of drove me crazy. And as I've watched it more, um, as I've seen it, you know, since then, and also you look at, you know, 
as you grow, when you get older, like that you look at things different ways. Um, but I find the scene between Chris Bauer, so Frank and Ziggy, like in the jail cell, I think is by far one of like the best scenes in the show. I think that Chris Bauer is an amazing actor and Mm. I love him, you know, and I think that it was such a great role for him. I think he's one of really the the best characters that were on the show. Um, We we spoke to Chris Bauer about um, for season two. Oh uh, yeah. It's, he was, he was absolutely, absolutely yeah he's just he's he transforms like for for every role you sort of like wait he he's in this like my my husband once reminded me that we had seen him actually with john c Riley. now that i think about it coming back everything comes back to john c Riley apparently (laughs) um do a streetcar named desire and and i have on stage yeah and i have no recollection of chris bauer being in it but it was it was years ago. Um, but my husband was like, "No, it was it was Chris Bauer." Um, so you know that Chris Bauer was like thirty five when he played Frank Sabotka. Oh wow, gosh! And they, so, so they, they, I mean, I was I was, I was gobsmacked. Yeah, um, it's it's so. funny when I I feel like I do the math a lot now. <laughs> when I watch shows like you know I especially like old school shows like I I'm like a I'm like a diehard Miami Vice fan and I'll throw mm. that on still but sometimes people pop up and I'm like how old is that person because I still think of them as being you know me being however many years younger than when I first watched it yeah, yeah so yeah. it's like I'm still you know six or whatever I am <laughs> you know and there but yeah it's um so, yeah, the the ranking, um, and I like it's funny too because then I had someone say, "And what did you rank? Is the is it the best episode?" And then I sometimes like have to remember what I did because it was so it was so, uh, but it was it was uh the middle ground episode, so it was kind of the uh you know, it was it was the stringer episode. We'll just say it was the yeah. it, it was. Uh, we, can, we can spoil on this. We yeah, always, I know. I, yeah, I was gonna say it was, it was you know it was just he was, stringer was he was a badass till the end. I said you know he just kind of he accepted what what came his way and um, I also loved really the relationship between Omar and Brother Mazone. Yeah, I loved the, what what sort of developed there. That episode is it. That episode that starts off with a like a Mexican standoff between Omar and Brother Mizzou, and they're and they're, fighting and they're, and they're like walking down the street together, yeah. like later. Yeah, it's this it's, very um, it's absolutely delightful. Yeah, and it's like it's a. There's also just that scene where that's the same episode, I believe, where um, Avon and Stringer have their scene where it's you know they both know what's happening. It's each other, yeah, and it's just you know there's something really poetic about it you know that that this is the life that they've committed to they know the rules you know and they are going to play by those rules um even if it i was going to say kills them i meant it metaphorically but (laughs) but i guess not actually (laughs) and and this is and also that episode sends avon back to prison it's a it's a lot that happens yeah and it's again we, uh, we talked about it's difficult to pull out a single episode, but then there are key scenes, there are key things that happen, which then 
do set the foundation for, for TV going forward. Mm-hmm. And Stringer Bell dying, even though we'd seen keep we'd seen Wallace die beforehand, we'd seen Dean uh, De- dying. And when Stringer gets killed, it's still like yeah, it's kind I of. I have one of my best friends who I made what's the wire, and he sent me a text saying, "Oh, Stringer Bell just got shot. It's okay. I'm sure it'll be all right." And I was like, "Dude." <laughs> he got taken down by Brother Muzone and Omar at point blank range. He's, he, yeah, I, I just thought, he, I, didn't, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah. But the fact it was still a surprise meant to a lot of TV creators afterwards that, hey, you can, you well, can kill key people. In, right, in TV so you shows look at and, like Game of Thrones. Absolutely. You know, so now yeah. it's like Sean Bean, the only person I recognize in this whole show. And yeah, even, and it's he, not like, I mean, he's not a huge, huge name, you know, but it nah. was like, the person that you you knew from all these other things, and that then I'm like, oh, too, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> oh, bye, all right. <laughs> it's just nice to see you, Sean Bean. Um, but yeah, it's it's like, don't kill String. Come on, um, you know. I mean, just selfishly, I wanted more more interest in there, sure. but but it's. I think that's like really, to me, like, I I love when a show has the balls to do that you know and does does not care because it's not going to pander to oh are we going to like lose audience you know and that's that's the great thing about hbo too is that you know and we you mentioned veep i had seen somewhere recently or it was like a year ago or two i saw like the rankings of like how many viewers like all of hbo shows got and I was like in shock that like how few people watched Veep or Silicon Valley, um, you know, it, it's like, and then Ballers is like right below Game of Thrones. And I was oh, just really? like, that many people watching? yeah, like, and I was just, and I had watched it a few times just because I think it was on in between like other things. Like it just, it wasn't a super interest like sports like that, you know, that whole Nothing of it was like of super interest to me, like personally. And I'd watch some episodes. It reminded me more of like Entourage and that it's like yeah. a it's that placeholder show that's like on before the show you want to watch starts, you know. And so, so you're you like, as well. yeah, like I'll watch it. And then it gets to the point where you're like, eh, oh, whatever, I'll go make a cup of tea. I'll go, you know, I'll go do this. Um, but just to see like the how few people watched what I deem like the best shows on HBO eastbound and down had like three people watching it. I think like my <laughs> cat included, um, you know, it was just, and I'm always kind of like, I want to shake, shake the viewers. Like, well, what are you watching? Well, I think we. I mean, we recently we had uh, BBC declared The Wire as the best TV show in the world ever. Well, I'll categorise <laughs> yeah. that the best TV show of the twenty first century. We can and we can say in the world ever. I okay. say that because I just want to clarify for people who don't know about this list. It's about the TV shows that started since the millennium. So that's why The Sopranos isn't in this list. Yes. Um, but if you look at the list, we'll just go through a list of the top uh, ten. Super briefly, um, it is The Wire, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Fleabag, Game of Thrones, I May Destroy You, The Leftovers, The Americans, UK Office, and Succession are the, are the top um, ones there. First thing that sticks up, jumps out of my mind, uh, well, let's go to number 12, uh, 11, Bojack Horseman, and 12, Six Feet Under. The prevalence of HBO in this list is astonishing. 
Right. It's, I mean, they created television. They created peak television, the golden Mm. age of television, whatever you want to call it. It's, you know, and it started with Oz, really. I mean, you you go back, and it's funny, too, because uh, mm, the actor's name, but Bodie. uh, Jamie Williams. It's like he's he always looks the same age you know it's like this, he's in this. the night of you know it's just like what are you doing like i he always looks but he's like in you know in this episode of oz and you, you watch that now and it's like that was some groundbreaking shit like that was that was not uh you know that was totally unexpected like that show yeah. and then you look at just their formula which was we don't really, I mean, you're paying for the, the channel. We're going to make these these movie-like TV shows. We're going to put these huge budgets behind them. But, um, you know, that list, I think, first of all, the fact that they put I May Destroy You on that list is like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and flea bags, you know. Lots of awards. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Lots of awards just went, I, may destroy, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, um, it's but, I. It was very disappointing to me that how little it got here, um, and yeah. I honestly don't know a lot of people who've watched it. And I try to sort of, and actually, in um, we have a a sort of a trivia quiz, almost like log version of the Curious Viewer coming out. It's not coming out until till May, I believe, but we kind of took it's a condensed version um of what you can find in the curious viewer but then there's also like a lot of other things and stuff we were able to kind of write about um shows that came out after we put this book together and i put fleabag and i may destroy you in the same i kind of put them in the same in the same category and somebody like was like, wait, isn't that show like, like, isn't I May Destroy You? They're asking me questions. And I was like, it's dark. And I was mm. like, but it's, it's, you know, it's a comedy and it's, you know, it's a very dark comedy. And like, but those two shows to me are very, they share a lot. You know, they share kind of the same basic DNA. Um, they come off, you know, in certain ways. I mean, I think. I think the second season of Fleabag, I loved the first season of Fleabag, but I think season two is probably one of the most perfect seasons of television I've ever seen. And it's, you know, it's there's not one wasted moment of that. No. And it's it's hard to do that because, you know, even with The Wire, we could, you know, there's things you could point to, like I said, like, oh, I didn't need, I didn't need more of Ziggy and Nick in the bar it was really the duck, I think. You know, if I really go yeah. back to it, it was the duck that bothered me. I didn't want that dead duck. Um, you know, that was my real problem. But, um, you know, I there's not a single thing I can point to in Fleabag where I would say, you know, eh, we could have gotten rid of this, like, whole part. Like, no, I wanted every second and then some. Um, but it's, it's astonishing that. And I think... Um... Yeah, Fleabag and I May Destroy You. I think I May Destroy You had 10 episodes, Fleabag 12, mm-hmm. over two seasons. Um, this, I, I mean, one of the things we're seeing here as well in this list is we don't have any of these super long TV shows, but these TV shows have lasted more than 20, 20 episodes per season. Yes. These, they tend to be lean, tight. Um, and I watched, I rewatched The West Wing at the start of the pandemic. And it's something I, you know, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, I would have 
<laughs> not bothered because it's 20, 24 episodes per season, oh, yeah. seven seasons. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a commitment. And I had a newborn baby at the time as well. So, um, but it was still like, baby's like, put on the wire. <laughs> <laughs> but did that as well. Almost did that. Um, but then it, you, you get, you're like, oh, this episode, we don't, don't really need, this isn't helping us get to the thing. Yeah. Um, and that's, these, these episodes, not these TV shows just mentioned here and going further down, the, the first one that, that lasts 20 episodes per season in this list is at number 17, which is 30 Rock, which I'm like, I'm happy with that because that's, that's you know, yeah. 20 episodes of a fantastic sitcom per, per season. And I, I think it's one of the best sitcoms that sticks the landing at the end as yes. well. The oh, last season of the US office was not that good. I love Parks and Rec, but season one and the last season weren't that good. And, but 30 Rock is consistent all the way through. Yes, it was because it had that irreverence like from the mm. beginning, whereas Parks and Rec almost seemed like it, it needed, I don't know, the approval to go to go where it went. And it's yeah. the same thing with, with The Office. Like, see, I just remember watching the first episode of it and also kind of being like, sort of hate watching the first, you know, episode of it and like, what are they going to do? Like, why, how dare they do this? Um, you know, and... And I just remember it was like the script was almost exactly the same. And it's like, yeah. you know, except jelly is jello. Like they just, you know, swipped out or swapped out, you know, the Britishisms for, yeah. yeah, like for, and I was just like, so like, oh, I, I'm angry at the show. And and then it went its own way. And it, and, and Steve Carell's character was a much more sort of pathetic, um, like sad man, as opposed to just like a, a real outright, asshole like david yeah. brent who even when you like the moments where you start to sort of like feel sorry for him he just says something so so obnoxious that you're just like uh, he, he's you know and i know he that that ricky gervais has talked about um the larry sanders show as being like a, a huge inspiration on him and it's it's hank kingsley like yeah. that's that character that's and that's tumble. for me like yeah. those are the shows that that i love i want that total asshole like i want that person that i can just really hate and that is going to say <laughs> the things that sometimes you like want to say or you just can't believe the person said so yeah um it surprises me though that that game of thrones not that i don't disagree with it it just surprises me that Game of Thrones uh, is is as low down on that list as it is. Well, um, well that's number five. Yeah, I just that surprised me. Be higher. Okay. I would think it, but I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm. I think it's placed fine, and I would maybe personally <laughs> place it maybe not lower, but I. I think that people, uh, you know. I feel like the that last season really, really soured people like on the show in it general did. because let's let's I mean what they accomplished and what they did with that show was was really uh, you know was definitely just groundbreaking and uh, I, I think I equate Game of Thrones to um, how the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. kind of worked because season one wasn't anything big and pompous it was just all about characters yeah equated to obviously pre-Iron Man, Iron Man yeah. really kicked off for um, the MCU. But they did it organically. There wasn't this big kind of, they were like, okay, season one works. Well, like the sex, next season, they weren't, they weren't going out to make the juggernaut that it ended up being. And this is where the MCU is at now. The MCU is 
the biggest thing in, right. in, in film ever. And But then you see other people looking around at Game of Thrones, you see other film um, film studios looking at, at, at the MCU thing. we need to recreate what right. they've done. But they haven't so you got have, the... You have like The Witcher, you have like, yeah. you know, in TV you have... Foundations. And yeah, and, and I think one of the amazing things is I did not watch, when, when Game of Thrones first started, I didn't watch it like when it started. I think I either started like toward the end of season one or... Mm. Before episode, because I'm not, I'm not into like fantasy like that. I was just like dragons and shit. I don't, I don't watch like you know. I don't like. It's not my thing, um, but it does draw you in. And and first season, I mean, it's just really like sex, blood, dragons. You know, well, it's there's like, not that many right. dragons. You see the dragons right oh, in the last shot. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of get like, and then even in the first episode, you get the White Walkers, and then you don't see them for a while. So. Mm. I kind of looked at it, but you know, there's definitely it was definitely a lot, uh, a lot more P or NC seventeen or you know R rated, uh, season one, and then yeah, it kind of you fall into those characters, and um, you know, it's but again, it's it's a fantastic show. I don't I don't begrudge, don't want anyone hating me uh, is what I'm saying, <laughs> but about a uh, Game of Thrones, I just it surprises me because I feel like there's such such mania surrounding it you know just that like everyone wants to know everything and every uh you know every leaked photo and and for me like that that stuff isn't interesting same thing with the MCU it's just like I'll watch the movie when it comes out like I, I don't don't spoil it for me I'd rather go in not knowing a thing about it and you know and be pleasantly surprised so but, That's yeah. what I did with uh, last night in Soho. Um, oh, it. yeah. Um, I still actually don't. I've read more than I meant to. Oh, um, no. But <laughs> oh, no. I have not seen it yet, so don't don't spoil I'm it. Gonna, I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> but just going back to this, because we, we should obviously talk about The Wire, because this is a Wire show yes. specifically. But this list, um, I brought this up because, A, it's interesting, and you're obviously a journalist that's made lists. Um, so well done. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, the, this list of the top ten... Apart from Game of Thrones, which was the, one of the biggest things ever, the re- these these shows didn't really have the viewership. Mad Men, I know, didn't. Uh, Breaking Bad probably was quite high up there, um, but still not not you know smash out of the park and get on on network TV. And yeah. it's it's the cultural impact of these shows is the thing that that looms large, and it's what's you know what's driving us towards. I mean, Succession at number ten. Uh, well done succession for for, yes. get, for getting there and still I know that I think more people watching will be watching season three and uh, will have caught up now but seasons one and two weren't that well watched no uh, and even further down the list you have Atlanta which I'm so excited about season three. Oh yeah that comes is that this year December or did I make that up I just saw it I just saw a, a teaser trailer which just had Brian Tyree Henry Henry uh, yeah. looking staring into the camera so <laughs> yeah, you know it's that's, finally coming yeah um, yeah but now it's but you're right like is and it's maybe it's just sort of a testament to the, these shows, and certainly you can't. The, the first that thing you do notice is I was gonna say nobody. It's and it's it's funny. So I season one, we were kind of a group of us were like watching it. Now I I love Tom Parada who wrote the book. I had mm. read the book before. Um, season one is very you know adheres to the book, and then the book's over. So the rest of it went in all sorts of other places. Um, 
And season one, people were just like, it was kind of like every week in this group of people that we were all watching it, someone else would drop out. We're like, too dark, too dark, just mm-hmm. getting. And for me, I thought it was great. And then I think it just got better, um, you know. And But you do look at that like it, it was not not well watched. I mean, you look at something like True Blood, which was one of the most watched shows on, on HBO, coming back again. Um, I don't know if it's on the list, where it's on the list, you know, but it is these, it's, you know, the shows that you have to sort of, I think you have to invest in all those shows, you know, they're all, you can't just like throw Mad Men on and just like have it as background noise, nor would you want to, but, but the wire in particular, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that you say because yeah, even Breaking Bad um, did, I think it was almost canceled after like season one or two because nobody was watching it. And then there came a point where it dropped on Netflix. And so it's kind of considered one of those like saved by Netflix shows because people were just like, hmm, what's this, you know, and watched it and then became obsessed. And I think that was um, before season like four or five. So it was like right before the end so that people were really watching it at the end but i mean even vince gilligan credits netflix for basically saving uh breaking bad from cancellation so it's interesting that you know that we see these these shows that are the sopranos was like the most watched show in recent you know months because of the movie um but it's finally i think giving people They've watched, they've rewatched The Office and Friends enough that like they're finally getting around to the good stuff, um, <laughs> you know, like so. But yeah, I think it's 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 definitely really interesting, and the fact that I know it was it was kind of global critics that that voted on this, yes, in the yeah, BBC list. I love though that that I'm curious if The Sopranos had been in there if they if it would have still been the wire i would like to think so because i think it i think it holds up better um and the and i say that i watch the sopranos at least once a year i re i rewatch it i think it's you know i think james gandolfini was was brilliant um you know but the wire is just um it's constantly changing and i also think that there's there's it's actually tackling things that you never, that for some people you never even thought about, like the connection. So, you know, you have season, season one is just almost like, you know, the kind of, well, it's, it's a much better version of the cops and robbers trope, you know, um, you sort of, sort of knocks that on its head a bit. Um, but then you go into like your work to, in unions, basically, you know, with, with the dock workers. So, you kind of like then you're working in religion into that yeah. um season three you have schools education that's season mayor season three is season yeah. four is schools. oh yeah oh, okay so yeah. you have like so you you kind of and then you end with uh we talk you know Genesis. the media yeah and you know obviously these are all things that that david simon and ed burns like that they all that they were very close to and, and knew this this world very closely. Um, but it's it's something that I feel like people don't 
don't equate those things. It, and maybe they do now more. Um, and the, and the, well, you guys have, you're Boris Johnson. So, uh, you know, but I think that, that with Donald Trump in the U S I think you had a lot, a lot of people who had never paid attention, paid attention to politics, mm-hmm. paying attention to politics. And yeah. then, and actually, and I'd say that like knowing, knowing people who, you know, in their twenties and thirties who have been like, Oh, I don't vote or like, yeah, I never vote. And me just being sort of apoplectic that like, like go, you don't vote in like the school board thing. <laughs> like these, these votes that like, I don't have children, they don't matter, but it's like, you need to get every chance you have. So I, I think that that's, what's really great about, about the wire is that it does bring all these things together because they're not separate things. You know what I mean? The police do, you know, a, a police sergeant is maybe looking to become, you know, they want to work their way up the ladder. These are jobs people are getting paid to do, you know, a, a politician doesn't, maybe they go into it or think they go into it for the love of, of, you know, country and, and, but, they can't get ahead if you're not going to do some some shady shit or at least stand up against people doing some shady shit basically um so it's it's all political is really you know kind of what it boils <laughs> down to and i just mean that even from like you know in the case of looking at you know the the barksdale you know sort of group it's like that's political the way that the way that they operate you know D'Angelo gets busted and now he's, you know, he's knocked back down a peg. Like he, you know, there's, there's this constant movement and it's all reflective, you know, of the same, of the same sort of system that, that system that, that kind of finds that institutionalism, I guess, you know, that sort of finds its way into all these aspects, including the, the drug dealers, it's like, there's a hierarchy and, you know, you do certain things, you're going to be promoted. Uh, If you're a police officer and you decide to like, okay, I'm going to play and sweep this under the rug. I'm going to move this body into this jurisdiction. So it's not my problem. You know, it's like, there are games in the schools. It's, you know, you see the, where it's just like, listen, we want, when they send the people out to just like pick up the truant kids, you know, yeah. we need them to come in like one day, a day, a month day or something, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. It's just sort of like, it's, it's a sad, but totally realistic statement on, on America. And it's as true now. And I shouldn't say like, if not more so, but almost more, uh, people are more aware of how true the show was, um, to what, to, to what goes on in our lives every day that we just don't pay attention to or because we don't want to believe it. We don't want to, you know, believe that it happens. And we've been, we've had it thrown in our face now for, you know, for, for so many years, just like so violently and loudly uh, for the past like five years, you know, that, that it's hard to ignore um, that anymore. And, I, you were saying how like it was kind of it became like the most you know watched show again and I think it's fantastic if it does because there's nothing that 
that really dates it, you know, no. as, as being, um, you know, oh, this is, you know, a 20 year old show. There's, there's nothing in there that does that. It's, it's timeless. And, you know, maybe with season five, um, the, even the, the newspaper, you know, like the media industry, they're talking, you know, it's like, they're talking about the online stuff. It was, I think we were still in kind of that beginning infancy of like, print versus online, you know, so there's probably some, some just outdated, uh, things where, you know, we've all now accepted that, that things are going online, but we don't invest in, you know, journalism in, in real journalism. And it makes, there's not as many people who want to go knocking on doors and like, you know, listen, I would never call myself a journalist. Like I'm a writer. You know, I write about pop culture, I write about TV, I write about, you know, bad 80s trends, you know, I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of do the fun part. I have the utmost respect for, for journalists who are out there, you know, digging and knocking on doors and making phone calls and being dogged in, in mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I thought that was such, um, I think that probably... I know that for most people, season five is kind of like the weakest season um, of The Wire. And I would I would agree with it just because I feel like the serial killer storyline is um, it, it gets it's it, it is. It's like even for McNulty, like it's a little far fetched. It's, it's the way McNulty. <laughs> it's the voice. It's the no, voice he uses or something. No, I was thinking it's the way McNulty uh, drags Freeman into as well. Yeah. And think, it's, imagine, I kind of, yeah. Minolte is like, okay, we've seen we've seen how you play out over the past few seasons, but the fact that Freeman looked at him and took one second and said, "No, you're doing it all wrong. You need to do it this way." And yeah, I was like, Freeman, what the hell? Are you well, doing, yeah, mate? like, wait, what are you doing? Like, you know, so <laughs> yeah, it's very um, I, and and I'm I'm all for it. Like, I the first time I saw it, I you know I I enjoyed it as I've watched it more, but I am I find the the whole you know the inner workings of the sun part of it very interesting mm-hmm. just because again it's it's that same system that like you know so really what it's sort of i feel like what the wire does overall is just points out that like that these these are all institutions they're all institutions that that have problems you know? yeah. and they have problems that need to be fixed but the way to fix them is then to like rope in another institution that has the same failings. So if I'm a school district need in need more money, um, you know, to help these kids, like I need to go to the politicians who are then trying to go here. So it's just like this constant, you know, like everyone's leaning on everyone and it's a, I'm just p- painting the world as a wonderful place right now. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, let's talk uh... Um, in, the, in the last few minutes about uh, season four, I guess, mm-hmm. that's because that's what we're recording at the moment as, yes. as our podcast. Um, season four, are there, are there any scenes or storylines that, that, you know, if you think season four that you just kind of, I don't know, pulls the heartstring or makes you leave with joy or... I feel like um, I loved, for me, I actually, in when I did my rankings of, uh, mm-hmm. I actually put the season four premiere at number two um and i think that because um it was just you know uh, number one we were kind of coming back to 
to where we had been, but I thought that the the kids story, like the school storyline, mm-hmm. and meeting those kids and really seeing the basically we were seeing the younger version of all these people we had come to know. Yeah, you know, so um, you know we've got Randy, who that storyline was just, you know, they were all kind of really like. Dookie, it's like, don't even get me started on poor Dookie. Like, I just, you know, but Dookie's also, he's, you look at him and it's like, okay, so he's kind of like the new Bubbles, mm-hmm. um, which isn't the worst thing to be necessarily because there's a there's a heart of gold in there, you know. Sure. Um, so I really, I loved, like, I thought the Naaman storyline, I liked seeing, like, from the aspect of the kids and mm-hmm. just sort of that, that they're you know they're entrenched sort of in so to the idea of like how do you get out of you know you're you're born into this neighborhood where this is you know the towers i guess i think that was the season where the towers are knocked down maybe in the towers opening down in season three. Oh, three. okay so i was gonna say um but you know to just see it sort of from and watch these kids go from from in that like first episode, it's kind of like first day of school, getting my clothes, like all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff to then see what happens to them throughout the course of like, of just that one season um, was was tough. Um, it was tough to watch because you just do see this, like you see innocence lost mm-hmm. um, and you see potential lost and you see, um, you know, Bunny Colvin was, always one of my favorite uh characters and i was really glad that that we kept him around and gave him yeah, yeah. you know an important storyline um because the hamsterdam stuff to me was just just the name hamsterdam alone was fun uh but that <laughs> that whole bit which is based on a, a real real story a man that essentially tried to and he's actually in he makes an appearance in an episode okay. um he was like was he the mayor? I think he was the mayor, but he essentially <laughs> tried to legalize, did the same thing. Um, so that's kind of based on something real. Um, but just seeing seeing that loss of innocence was very, um, and, and also the people who tried to help um, and almost like how helpless they were in trying to help, I guess. So I... Prez was, you know, when he first started out, he was just kind of that, like, gosh, this guy's annoying. Um, and that's what's, I think, great about a show like this, because it sort of, it sort of uh, reflects real life and where you meet a person for the first time, and maybe you meet them in a circumstance where you're just like, eh, you're not vibing with that person. And then you get to know that person or, you know, yeah. you, that the initial, like the public sort of facing um, exterior persona fades away and you meet the real person and you know prez's storyline as much as one could think like oh this is like you know he's he's left he was never meant to you know he was never meant to to do to be (laughs) a part of that team um he was great with like you know the researching and stuff but i thought that that character was so well suited to to working with kids and you know just the way he interacted um with the students and really inspired you know some of them uh you know to sort of do better and to 
and the way that he also adapted just knowing what you know what their lives were like and and having that sort of institutional knowledge of this is the life these kids lead so mm-hmm. let me teach them in a way that's going to make sense to them you know yeah, instead absolutely. of sally leaves the train station at two you know let's do hey like you're a corner boy like you know let, let's let's make it applicable yeah, yeah like let's make it applicable to like what their everyday experience is and I I loved that storyline. I loved, you know, just seeing him sort of find his place. Um, it's also heartbreaking, you know, when you see the other more seasoned teachers who are like, don't fall in love with these kids. You know, they're yeah. not your children. Just you know. just what's the curriculum? Yeah, what, and it's yeah. and it's so it's that part of it's hard. But I and I think again, it's it's it all comes down to like just to truth, and that that is what happens. You know that there are. We don't have enough teachers. We don't pay them well enough. We don't have enough supplies, you know, school supplies. You know, we don't we don't offer busing, you know, to schools. Like there's just we put so many obstacles in the way of kids getting the most basic education, you know, and it's just because people become tired and sort of stop stop caring. And I yeah. do think that people go into it because they care. But I can't imagine spending, you know, 20, 30 years. When you talk about the institutions there, um, I think on that point where you say people going into it want to keep wanting to care. Ideally, you think people go into politics because they want to care, they want to make a difference. Yes. People go into policing because they want to make a difference. And people go into teaching because they want to make people go into journalism because they feel they can contribute to it. And all these all these different angles. Um you can see how they've been beaten down, browbeaten, and forced into some kind of box shape right. which they weren't it's, prepared for. You realize that the only way for me to survive, you know, if if I'm a police officer and I'm working for my pension, you know, and I'm just yeah. trying to get to that pension, because that's, you know, whatever you see any sort of police drama or thing, it's like, it's always about the pension, you know, and understandably so, you're putting your life on the line you know, every day um, that you just, you do get sort of pushed into like this place where like, okay, so I go in here trying to make a difference. And now I just want to get through it. I want to survive. I want to like make my existence as, as easy on me as possible because who has the energy to like keep fighting a system that where everyone is pretty much against you for, you know, 20 years, 10 years, like, you can imagine, you know, if they they brought the wire back today, you can sort of see Prez just being another another one of those like by the numbers, you know, probably has his own kids now. It's like he's got that stuff at home, and and those kids, you know, in the school are just are he just wants to get them the basic thing that they need to to move on, you know. Um, it I think it would happen to the person who who wouldn't be browbeaten, you know, after years of of suffering through something, um, you know, would be a rare person. And I I think think maybe Buddy Colvin might, might uh, step outside that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's our hero there. He's, uh, you know, (laughs) but he also, you figure, I mean, he, he walked away, he didn't get that pension. So he, he He sort of had to start, start over. Um, So there was, it's the fact he took Naaman under his wing, I think, where mm-hmm. see, he did, in no way, shape or form did he have to do that. No. And it's just, uh, you know, and, and it was a new light. I think he was 
he had to start a new life. You know, like his his policing days were over and he sort of needed to start. And by by sticking to that with like the the hotel, you know, security, it was just like, wait, this isn't what I was in. He wasn't in it for that. He wasn't in it to to just like, you know, punish the the wrongdoers. Um, you know, he was in it to make a difference and he found the way to do it. So um, I, I really loved that season. Um, I loved just sort of, um, again, it's, it's just seeing that arc, seeing the, seeing the kids, you know, the, or the adults, you know, that we've gotten to know reflected in these kids and how they deal with, you know, what they have to deal with. The Michael character was always a really interesting one just because he had to be the parent. And, you know, where he, whereas he starts out wanting nothing to do with, you know, any of this, he becomes that, like, the cold-blooded killer, you know, yeah. he just, yeah. like, he just blocks those feelings out so that he can, you know, really take care of his brother. Um, and it's, so it really kind of is about family and, like, taking care of, you know, the people you need to take care of, whether that's just yourself, um, you know, or... Or, or someone else. Guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation with uh, Jennifer Wood. Obviously, we didn't just talk about The Wire, but I think it was really interesting to hear what she had to say about all of television. She knows about all of it. All of television. All In of its TV. entirety. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, yeah, as always, watch this space, and we've got lots more interesting interviews coming for you guys. Yeah, and if you do want to win the book, uh, as I say, it's called The Curious Viewer. Do follow us um, online. We are at The Wire Stripped on Instagram and Twitter, um, and do send us an email um, or, or send us a message via our burner as well to keep in touch with us. We will be back soon. Yeah, we'll be back soon, guys. In inverted commas. You just heard a stripped media production. 